Good morning, faith family. How many of you are glad to be able to worship the Lord this morning? Will you raise your hand? I, I am so uh, delighted to be back with you. I know last Sunday the rumor was I had overdosed on Popeye's fried chicken, and uh, I think the I think the greeters had shared that on the, the way in, and uh, there was not any truth to that. I was uh, fine uh, the week before, and last Saturday, uh, Jacob and I went to. Uh, Bowling Green, we were in Dick's Sporting Goods, and I don't know, I wasn't running, I wasn't on a treadmill, I wasn't doing anything, I just about passed out, and so um, had just an issue this week with some blood pressure and those type of things, but I'm feeling much better, but the doctor's changed up some of my medicine, and he's got been pulling fluid off of me this week, and so I'm a little drowsy, and so if I just say something just absolutely wrong, and you know it's wrong, go like this and I'll have another stab at it today, okay? I'll, I'll just know, if you point at me like that, that means for me to say, now wait a minute, preacher, i got to give that another go this morning, all right? And then pick, if it just is way outlandish, just come on up here and set me down. Will you do that? And so First Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, as we continue this week and next week in this series through First and Second Peter sojourners, First and Second Peter sojourners, we have a message to proclaim, and I'm so thankful uh, that we do, and I'm glad that y'all are here to hear it, but to be equipped by it and to be able to share it uh, as well. And so um, let me remind you as you're turning there in your Bibles about tonight at 5 o'clock, uh, we have Operation Christmas Child Packing Party tonight, and uh, it starts at 5 uh, Esther's Farm, which is Gabe and Susan Esther's, has uh, volunteered to feed our church, and so they're going to have food tonight uh, upstairs in the kids' building. And you can just sort of pack some boxes until you get hungry, go eat, come pack some more boxes, go eat. I guess you can just keep doing that. and uh, Or you can eat and then just pack boxes, but we, we need you here tonight. We need uh, children, we need teenagers, we need adults, we need senior adults, they, we really need everybody. I think the goal is 1,400 boxes uh, to pack. And Trina and her team have worked really hard uh, getting upstairs set up and so we can go through there. So it's a great night of fellowship. It's a great night of prayer because we pray a lot uh, over those boxes and over those kids that are going to be receiving those shoe boxes. And uh, it's just a great ministry. And it's... Uh, it's partnering with a great, great ministry, and so we want to encourage you to come out and be a part of that. How many ladies went on that ladies' retreat last week? Will you raise your hand if you did? I'm hearing from Tracy it was great. Did y'all have a good time last week? I'm thankful that y'all were able to do that. I know we're getting a few questions about Titus Tuesday. Um, I think that we will start those in January. I don't think there was anything planned for uh, November because of that. Um, retreat and then December is a real busy month so coming back in January we'll have Titus Tuesdays and the ladies ministry will host that and uh, give us more information about that but it's going to be a great great time so if you're at first Peter uh, I want you to say amen chapter 1 verses 22 through 25 Peter writes and he says having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. 
For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fails, or, or the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. The word of the Lord remains forever, and this word is the good news that was preached to you. We have a message to proclaim as God's children. As we identify ourselves as sojourners, right? And so Peter's writing this to a bunch of Christians who are dispersed due to persecution. He's writing to them to help them understand that their journey on this in this world was to be temporary and that they should have a temporary look uh, at life like that. They are not meant to make earth their home forever and ever. They're to put their, uh, make God their eternal home in their heart. And then when he establishes his kingdom here on earth and in the sky, we will have that availability to be able to go back and forth and be God's people. But he uses words all throughout First Peter and Second Peter. He uses the word sojourner. He uses the word exile. One of the translations we get our word immigrant from. And so it's like the idea that we're, we're just immigrants here. We're exiles here. And there's this identity that he wants us to recognize. And with that identity comes a lifestyle. We talked about that for a couple of weeks, about how God calls us to be holy and to recognize that our lifestyle is to be countercultural because it is gospel-centered. And so God calls each of us to be set apart and really to allow the holiness of God to work in us and to work out of us. That's what the Lord wants to do in each and every one of us. And it's really important that if we recognize ourselves to be the people of God that he tells us we're to be, and then we are allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us according to his word so that the very character of Christ works out of us and that we are set apart, we're distinct. There's a, a lifestyle that's causing us to be different. He says that he wants us to understand those two things are evident, but then he says this. With that lifestyle comes a responsibility to proclaim. There's a, a message that we have to proclaim. God wants us to know that a lifestyle of Christian maturity and a lifestyle of Christian love is not adequate in and of itself to bring life change to others. It's more than sufficient to sanctify you. It's more than sufficient to sanctify me. But that lifestyle witness, right? Some people call it lifestyle evangelism. That lifestyle witness in and of itself is not enough. You cannot transmit, right? You cannot transmit your holiness to someone else. When we're in here fellowshipping and shaking hands, even when we are praying for one another, when we're here singing together, my holiness or your holiness is not being transmitted from one person to another. There's only one way that that happens, and that is through the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the Holy Spirit uses Peter's pen to place a tremendous emphasis on gospel proclamation and verbal witness. You ought to write those words down, gospel proclamation and verbal witness. Most of the time we're, we're terrified to do those things. And sometimes we go about our Christian life thinking that we are proclaiming the gospel when in essence there's a lot more to the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, than what we sometimes understand. So Peter, to, to help you understand how serious Peter is about this, 
You can look with me at uh, chapter 1, verse 12 of 1 Peter, and notice what he says. Peter says, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you. So who was it being uh, revealed to? The prophets of old. It was being revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who have preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. And then he just continues on in chapter 2, verse 9, if you want to look there. He says, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim, do you hear it? Peter says that you may proclaim your witness, your holiness, the Christ life in you is at work so that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then in chapter 3, if you want to look there, verse 15, he says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy. And so he's saying, make sure that your hearts are properly connected to the Lord, honor him as holy, allow him to be working in you. And then he says this, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. My brothers and sisters, it is imperative as we come to the text this morning that we realize that lifestyle witness is not enough. Is it essential and is it a characteristic of uh, God's work in us? It absolutely is. But there's another characteristic of God's work in us, and it is when we realize that we exist for God's glory and God's glory alone. And so we don't just live a, a life that's pleasing to the Lord and leave it at that and then hope People will figure it out. What is the source of that distinction? What is the source of that uh, holiness? What is the source of that countercultural life that they're witnessing and seeing live before them? We have to make sure that they understand there's a reason for that. And it's not that I was raised in a, in a good place or raised by a good mom and dad or that somehow I was raised just a good boy or good girl. Uh, we have to help them to know that it's not just religion. It's not Calvary Baptist that has changed my heart, right? We have to tell them the hope that is within us and the reason that we are changed. You can sort of look at that like this. If you were having, uh, if, if you were in your neighborhood um, and you wanted to invite somebody over for dinner and you invited them over to dinner and they were excited to come and your kids played together and y'all talked together and you had prepared some supper, and it was over there. You had worked hard. You wanted to make sure that you cooked something that they liked. And it was all ready there. You had it ready on the counter. Everything was just right. You guys got to talking, and you got to sharing. And then you talked for about 30 minutes, and they were thinking about, I wonder when they're gonna, we're going to eat supper, right? And you're talking, and you're sharing about life, and you're sharing about the neighborhood. You're sharing about the kids. You're sharing about everything that's good in your life. Maybe even you share some struggles. And then after that, you say, well, let's pray together. And they're thinking, all right, we're about to bless this meal, and you pray, and then you walk to the door and say, thanks for coming, right? What, what, what's missing in that? You, you didn't serve the meal, right? And sometimes that illustration serves to remind us sometimes that's what we do with our Christian witness. Sometimes we talk a whole lot about church or we talk a whole lot about sanctification or we talk a whole lot about common things that we have in life. We talk about the necessity of being good or things that are bad. 
And sometimes we just forget to serve the meal, right? And that is the message that Peter says that God intends for us to proclaim. See, as believers being faithfully present in our neighborhoods or in our communities doesn't equal biblical gospel proclamation. Uh, Nice, polite, spiritual conversations at work or at the ball field or around the dinner table also doesn't mean that we've evangelized or shared the gospel with anyone. God calls us to announce the good news. The message that we have to proclaim as followers of Christ is the gospel. And the word gospel simply means good news. I think, Scott, did you put that on the screen? You did? I want you to just listen to what is the good news. Gospel means good news. That comes from a a Greek word, euaglerian, and it just means this when you're talking about what is the good news. It means because of God's love, he did not leave us in our sin. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? If you are, say amen. I mean, God loves us, and he loves us so much, he didn't leave us in our sin, but he's provided a way for us. The gospel is that Jesus, God in human flesh, came to us and lived perfectly according to God's plan. And so if I was just walking a person through this and talking to them biblically, I'd be sharing John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loves us so much he doesn't leave us in our sin, right? Because the Bible says in Romans 3.23, We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the gospel also says that Jesus came to rescue us. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He took our sin and he took our shame to the cross, paying our penalty and our sin debt in full. He paid the penalty of our sin by his death. Remember this. We are not saved uh, by Jesus' righteous life, although his righteous life was necessary to be able to atone for our sins. We are saved by his death, by his resurrection, right? And so it's important for us to be able to say, Jesus was raised from the dead to provide the only way for us to be rescued and restored to a relationship with God who created us. So he voluntarily laid down his life for us on the cross, and so he was able to do that because of his sinless life. And then on the third day, he arose from the grave. And because, why is that so significant? Because Jesus is alive, and uh, if, if we took a trip to Israel and we went to the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, he's not there. The body of Christ is not there. He's risen. And, he, and, and when he rose, he appeared and made himself known to hundreds of people. And he walked with people and he talked with them and he was in his resurrection body. And he arose. And the reason that's so important, because he is alive, you and I can also be alive if we put our faith and trust in him. How do we do that? We admit we're sinners and we ask God to forgive us as we turn from our sin, trusting only Jesus to save us. Do you see that word, only Jesus? See, you can't trust your good works. You can't trust your good name. You can't trust your good community. You can't trust your good work effort. You can't trust your good church. You can't trust your pastor. You can't trust your staff. You can't trust your deacon. You can't trust your life group leader. Only Jesus can forgive us of our sins. If you believe that, would you say amen? So we admit we're sinners, and we ask God to forgive us as we turn from our sin, trusting only Jesus to save us, and believing, when we believe that, the gospel, we receive new life through Jesus, 
And God turns our lives in a new direction. So here's the way Paul says it, right? We're hearing about Peter. Here's the way Paul talks about the gospel. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says in verse 1, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand. For I delivered, the word is proclaimed, I proclaimed to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Oh, my brothers and sisters, that is the message that we have to proclaim. There is life in that good news, that Jesus loved us, he died for us, he paid our sin debt in full, his sacrifice was completely appeasing to the Lord, and because of that, we, when we put our faith and trust in him, turning from our sins by God's grace through faith, we are saved and we're saved forever. If you're thankful for that, say amen. And so I, I take that time to share that gospel message with you to help you know and understand that as sojourners, we identify with God and his people. We embrace this lifestyle that he calls us to live allowing him to set us apart and mark us with the very holy character, righteous character of Christ, and then we tell his story. And so we are, we're going to be stunted. We're going to, we're going to be capped in our spiritual development and growth if we don't get to that part to where we understand that it is all of our responsibility to proclaim the gospel. Now, sometimes there's a lot of reasons that we don't do that. Sometimes we're fearful. Sometimes we're afraid we're going to get it wrong. Sometimes we, uh, we feel like people don't want to hear it. We feel like maybe if we share that somehow that people are going to be offended. And I'm just going to tell you, I just don't meet a lot of people that are offended when you offer them the gospel. I was in the doctor's office on Tuesday morning, and they were going to draw some blood, and I wasn't feeling good. And I went and I sat in this chair and uh, this young nurse comes out and she's going to take my blood. I hate needles. And, and so uh, when she reaches down, I noticed that she had an anchor on her wrist, tattooed on her wrist, and it had a heart on it and an anchor. And I said, what does that anchor uh, mean to you? And she said, well, I'm in love and, and the person I'm in love with is in the Navy and so she said, I just got this tattoo as a constant reminder of him. And I said, that's a tremendous thing. I said, have you ever heard that we have an anchor for our souls? And she looked at me and she said, an anchor for our what? And I said, an anchor for our, our soul. The Bible says that Jesus is this anchor for our soul, that he has a way of anchoring us and allowing us to live this stable life when our life is in Christ. And she just looked at me and she said, no, I, I've never heard about that. And she's saying, make a fist and we're doing all that. I said, would you like to hear more? And she said, no, not if you don't want me to stick you two or three times. And so, but, but she was really kind. I, I didn't offend her. I said, I hope to see you the next time uh, that I'm in here. And, and she said, I hope you get feeling better. And, and we left. I don't know the lady's name. A young single girl hoping to get married to a sailor. That's what I know about her. And so... I've been able to pray when I'm not going to sleep this week. Lord, I hope that you save that, that girl. And you say, Preacher, did you get to the gospel? I didn't get to the gospel. But boy, I would have loved to have taken that next step to get to the gospel.
But my brothers and sisters, listen to me. When you're offering a dying man or a dying woman bread to eat and water to drink, there's not many of them that are just going to get offended. And if they get offended, haven't you been offended before? I mean, you've been offended in all sorts of ways, haven't you? But you, we just live in a culture that people enjoy offending each other in a lot of different ways, and we just push through that. And so, therefore, it's essential that we understand this truth about the gospel and our responsibility to share it. This message that we have to proclaim is for everyone who are believers. It's not just for the clergy or those who are called to ministry or those who are called to the mission field. The message that saved me is the same message that saved you. And the message that saved you is the same message that will save your father or father-in-law or your mother or mother-in-law or your son or your daughter or your cousin or your co-worker. It's, it's that same message. There's power in the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when we get to that story about how Jesus lived a sinless life and how he was God in the flesh and he came and offered his life for ours and he rose from the grave and that he's alive today and if we turn from our sin, believing that message, believing the story of Christ, trusting no one but Christ for salvation, we too can be born again. And my brothers and sisters, I will say something to you today. When you are born again, that will anchor you through all seasons of your life. It will anchor you in good times. It will anchor you in bad times. When you are born again, it will anchor you when relationships are great, when relationships are not great. It will anchor you when you are just working and it seems like, man, the, the day couldn't be any longer. And it will anchor you when night comes flooding in and you think, I can't see an inch or two inches in front of my face. The gospel has a way of anchoring us to Christ in such a way that we have to tell somebody about the good news. Now, oftentimes, another reason that we don't do that is this reason. Sometimes we're afraid of offending people, but the second thing is we're, we're afraid that we don't know all the answers. Well, you're not getting into a theological debate with somebody. You're just offering them the good news of what Christ has done for you. The message that you believe, you are going to be uh, delivering that. Um, one of the things that blesses me, there's a lady here that, that makes a sourdough bread. And she'll bring a sourdough bread loaf or two um, about once a month to us. I've never once said to this lady, and I mean, it's great sourdough bread. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's fattening. She's probably the reason I look the way I look. But... I mean, it is good. You can use it, and you can make French toast out of it. You can just spray a little butter on it. You can just eat it. A lot of times, the boys have broken into it, just pulling hunks off and eating it on our way home. It's really good. But here's what I've never done. I've never said to that lady, hey, tell me how you make that. I know there's this yeast process, and it's got to sit there a while, and she knows things about that that, that I don't know, right? All I know is this. If she's cooked it and she's bringing it to me, my responsibility is to receive it and share it. And sometimes I've shared it with Brian, and sometimes I've shared it with Justin or shared it with other people and just said, man, this bread is really good. You ought to try some of it. That's what it is, sharing the gospel. We take the gospel, not worried about whether we have every answer to every biblical question that a person has, 
A matter of fact, I would say to you, if you get the gospel right, sharing it with an unbeliever, that's the, that's the greatest truth that you can possibly share, right? That Jesus died for our sins, he loves us, he rose from the grave, and if we will repent and turn from our sins, believing that Christ is enough, calling upon him, we can be saved. So therefore, we proclaim these three simple truths. Look at verse 22. He says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. What is it, Pastor, that I'm to proclaim? If I go to the restaurant this afternoon and I get a gospel conversation, if, if my son or daughter asks me, Mama, Daddy, how can I be saved? If they say, Nanny, Papa, how can I be saved? What is the gospel that we are to proclaim? And first of all, we proclaim Jesus cleanses us from our sin and allows us to love one another. We make sure that they understand that they're sinners, that I'm a sinner, that everyone is a sinner, and that they need to be saved. I normally bridge that by saying this. When I'm talking to someone and I say, Jesus cleanses us from our sin and allows us to love one another. Before I say, do you believe you're a sinner? I normally will say, you know, I'm a sinner and everyone who's ever lived has been a sinner except for Christ. You know, the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then I'll say something like, do you believe that? Is, is that something you've ever heard? Do you, do you believe that? A lot of times, it's not uncommon to get this response. I know I'm a sinner. Have you ever heard anybody say that? I, I know I'm a sinner. Sometimes people will say, well, I don't know about everybody being sinners. Maybe what's right for one person is, is uh, wrong for another. Maybe what's wrong for somebody else is right for another. And, and they don't want to uh, embrace that truth. And then it's right there that you can say, well, do you have any questions about that that we can talk further about? And they may say, no, not really. And then you just know there's, there's probably not a divine appointment going on there, right? And so you can say, well, for me, I knew that I was a sinner. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He rose from the grave. I'm trusting that truth, that historical event. I'm trusting Christ, and I'm just trusting him for my salvation. And then you're able to leave that conversation, and even a person who's not receptive have heard a nutshell of the gospel right then and there. And so we, we have to proclaim to people that Jesus cleanses us from our sin and when he does that, he allows us to love one another. See, when Jesus saves us, when he forgives us of our sin, he washes our sinful defilement completely away. Not just some of our sin, but all of our sin. Uh, all of it is cleansed, it's forgiven, and it's covered through the blood of Christ. So what we declare, what we proclaim, what we make known to others is this. We declare and we proclaim to a dirty, sinful, wretched, defiled people and culture that Jesus can remove all the sin stain from their lives and make them pure and holy and acceptable to God, and he can do that for all eternity. I prayed this morning, I prayed last night, that that's what Kanye West tells Joe Osteen's church today. I saw on the internet that he's going to be at Lakewood Church today, Kanye West, this rapper who's been saved. Preacher, what do you think about that? Do you really think Kanye's been saved? Do you think it's real? Well, I can tell you this. If Jesus can save me, or if Jesus can save you, he'll have no problem saving someone like Kanye West. 
See, that's what we fail to understand when we're trying to convince someone or talk to someone about the nature of sin. We have this tendency to want to put sin in a category. And that, they're a good person and they got some sin because, <coughs> excuse me, they're a sin, they have a sin nature. But they're not as bad as this person over here who, who's a drug smuggler or drug runner or something like that. But my brothers and sisters, one sin is just as bad as the other. While some have different amounts of consequences, one sin is enough to separate us from the Lord, and it certainly has done that. And so I don't know about Kanye, but I know this, that my heart was wicked and it was defiled and it was stained with sin. And I know if Jesus can forgive me, he can forgive somebody like that. If you believe that, say amen. And so that's the good news that we have to share. The good news is that you're a sinner and you were created that way, and God leaves you that way. No. The good news is God created you to have a relationship with him, but because of Adam and Eve's sin, all of humanity has fallen short of the glory of God. But here's what the tremendous good news is. Jesus loves us so much that he can forgive us of our sin, cleanse us of our sin, and wash all of our sins away. Listen to how John puts it in 1 John 1.7. He says, if we walk in the light as Jesus is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all of our sin. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all of our sins. The good news is Jesus is able to cleanse us from our sin. Here is a, a real key to worship and to be able to have boldness to proclaim the gospel. It's a daily recognition that you are a sinner that's been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And when you can recognize, you know what? I'm a sinner that God has smiled upon. I'm a sinner who has been born again. I'm a sinner who has this opportunity to share this wonderful good news with someone else. If you remember what God has done for you, you'll have that opportunity to share that good news with somebody else. But here's the second thing. Jesus not only cleanses us and washes us from all of our sin, but Jesus changes us by giving us a new nature according to his word. He not only cleanses us and washes our sin away, but he gives us a, a brand new nature. He says in verse 23, Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, through the living and abiding word of God. When Jesus works in us, he gives us this completely new nature. Our nature is made new because of God's word is living and it's life-giving. That's why Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, all things have been made new. And that all things he's talking about is the person's heart, their life, their nature. We have been made new in Christ. That is glorious good news. We live in a culture and a time where people are so bound up by so many different things and sin has a tight grip on them and they wonder, can I ever be free? The drug addict is wondering, can I ever be free from these pain medicines that I got hooked on? The alcoholic is thinking, can I ever be free from the alcohol that just binds me and controls my life? The pornographer says, can I ever be free from the pornography that grips my life? The womanizer says, can I ever be faithful to my wife and be true, one woman man, or am I always going to be chasing the next available woman? I, 
The question is, can God change me? And I want to go on record right now today and say, God has the power and ability through the gospel of Jesus Christ to give you a new nature, a new heart, and a brand new life in Christ. That's the good news that we share with people. People don't have to think, I'm on my second marriage, I'm going to be on my third. I'm on my third marriage, I'm going to be on my fourth. There's no hope for my kids. There's no hope for me in my job. There's no hope for me. No. God has this wonderful and canny way through the gospel of Jesus Christ of changing our hearts. He makes it brand new. Our old sinful nature that was predisposed in every conceivable way to sin is made new. In every conceivable way we're made new. So we proclaim that Jesus brings new life by his grace if they believe the gospel message. Oh, my brothers and sisters of Calvary Baptist Church, we live in a community and a country that needs to hear that message desperately, that God can change us from the inside out. If you believe that, say amen. I'm just praying more right now than ever for my brother and his family. They've got this new baby, baby boy, Jack Willis, and I found myself, they sent us this baby announcement, and this picture of this kid. My, my dad's name was Willis. My brother's name is Willis. And I just thought, man, how cool that they kept that name Willis in there. And I was looking at that announcement. I just was really praying for Bob and Kate that, God, will you just really work in their hearts and work in their lives and allow them to not only hear the gospel but to believe it for so that they might be changed. And listen to me, I would not pray that if I didn't believe that God has the ability to do that. So let me ask you a question this morning. Who is it that God has put in your life? Who has God put around you? Who has God put into your life that you work with or that you live with or that you go to school with or that you know, maybe a family member? Who is it that God has put in your life that does not know Jesus that you're believing God has the ability to save that person? You have to believe that the gospel is greater than the sin that binds us. If you believe that, say amen. Listen, Tracy and I had the wonderful opportunity of seeing that firsthand when I came to know Tracy in a courtship type of way. Uh, her dad, the boy's papa, was just a hardened sinner uh, in every conceivable way. He, um, he was a foreman. He was a good man. Uh, most everybody loved him. Um, he, he was a hard worker, very seldom ever missed work. But he was a womanizer. He liked playing poker and wasting money. He loved to drink and uh, stayed out a lot at night. And I can remember uh, Tracy's mom sharing that with me. I can remember her sharing that with me. And I can remember us praying about that. And I can remember Ken and I having this big conversation when I was about to ask him for Tracy's hand in marriage and we went to Western Sizzlin. How many of you remember the old Western Sizzler over here? And we went to Western Sizzlin. He had just had surgery on his wrist from a, a work-related accident. And so he couldn't cut his steak. And so I thought, I'm probably going to have to cut this man's steak. And, uh, but he ordered, ended up ordering steak tips or beef tips so he wouldn't have to. He told me the story later. He said, there's no way I was asking you to cut my steak, and, uh, which we, we laughed. But there came a point in that conversation when I was asking for Tracy's hand in marriage, that he said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be good with that. He said, but listen, I just don't want you preaching to me all the time. 
And I just said, I don't want you drinking around us all the time. I want you to be at home all the time. Does that sound like a, a real deal? And he said, yeah. And I said, I won't invite you to church, but I'm going to pray for you. And uh, when Tracy was expecting Caleb, when Caleb uh, was born and then started growing up, we just really, we moved to North Carolina, and we just really developed a heavy burden. We were praying for Ken just day and night, day and night. We were praying for him. Caleb would bow to pray, and he'd be praying for Papa. And uh, I'd hear Tracy, a daughter's heart, uh, break for her dad. Um, she, just, she was just never ceasing in prayers for her dad. And on, on a Sunday night, late one night, about 1 o'clock in the morning, the phone rang, and it was Ken. I answered it, and I said, hello. I, I really, when he said, uh, Randy, this is Ken, and I said, what you doing, Papa? And I thought he was going to tell me Grandma, you know, had died or somebody had died, and he, he was just starting to cry. And I just thought to myself, I'm about to get bad news here. And so um, I finally heard him say, can I just talk to Tracy? And so I said, yeah. I handed Tracy the phone, of course, she was up by then. All I could hear her say was, Papa, or she said, Daddy, that's so good. I'm so thankful. That's so good. I'm so thankful. And then she started crying. I could hear him weeping on the other side of the phone. He was crying. And you know what he said? He said, I've been born again. That Sunday night, he had come home. No doubt his wife had been praying for him. His daughter had been praying for him. His grandson had been praying for him. His son-in-law had been praying for him. No telling who else had been praying for him. And he was changed by the power of the gospel. And my brothers and sisters, I tell you that story to remind you. There's not anyone that you know, including Kanye West, that God cannot save. If you believe it, say amen. And so if you say, what should I do? Be praying and share the gospel. Be praying and share that gospel. Because the gospel has power save. Jesus changes us by giving us a new nature. Well, when he got saved, did, did he really get saved? Did he get baptized? Did he get plugged in? He's in church all the time. He's been to a South America on mission trip two different times. He serves as a greeter at their church and helps do other things. And uh, he, He's just a changed man. He'll listen to me preach occasionally. He goes and listens to his preacher preach. I mean, he is a changed man through the power of the gospel. If you believe the gospel is greater than our sins, amen. And then here's the last thing. Jesus not only changes us by cleansing us from our sins, he not only changes us by giving us a new nature according to his word, but Jesus calls us to believe his word that abides for all eternity. Look at verse 25. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word, watch that phrase, is the good news, you Agalian. It is this gospel. It is this, um, it is this announcement and proclamation. The old has passed away. The new has come. The Messiah has come. The Son of God has come. You're a long-awaited hope is here. That, that's what that is. I mean... It says the word of the Lord remains forever, and this word is this good news that was preached to you. Turn over with me to 2 Peter. Just go right, 
and turn over to 2 Peter chapter 1 and look at verses 16 through 21 and notice how Peter says it here. He says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For when He received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to Him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Peter's testimony. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. This is a, a Peter's testimony of the Mount of Transfiguration when God spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And he goes on and he says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter 1, 16-21. Jesus calls us to believe the word in the same fashion that Peter believed the word. He calls us to believe that the word of God is able to minister and it's able to change and it's able to save and it's able to cleanse and that it abides for all eternity. Oh, my brothers and sisters, I am not here trying to sell you a bill of goods. I'm here to proclaim the good news to you that changed my life. You say, why would you say to us on a Sunday morning, talk to us for 10 or 15 minutes about our sin, and about when we remember that we were once sinners, that God, uh, and how God changed us, that that will give us boldness to proclaim that with others? Because, listen to this, because we were no different than Peter was, we are no different than any sinner was, our sins separated us from the Lord, but God in His grace and love comes to us. He's merciful and kind. He allows us to hear the gospel, and He allows us to believe this enduring, abiding Word. And this Word, not only will it never change, but it will last for all eternity. So watch what happens when you're born again. Stand to your feet so you, you really capture this truth. I don't want you to miss it. When you hear the gospel, Jesus lived a sinless life, a life we could not live. He died a sacrificial death, a death that we could not die. He uh, rose from the grave on the third day. And because he's alive, if we put our faith and trust in him, turning from our sin, we can live forever. If you believe that gospel message, I want to tell you what happens to you spiritually. That is not just a mental decision that you make. Salvation is much more than a, some sort of mental ascent from my brain up to heaven through the word of God. I hear the message. I understand the message. God gives me faith to believe the message but I want you to understand what happens. God takes his word, and just like a living seed, he plants that word inside of us. And it is that word of God that springs forth into eternal, everlasting life. And that's why Paul says in Galatians 2, this life that I live, 
I, I live no longer in the flesh, right? He says, but I live this life according to Christ who lives in me. When you repent of your sin and you call upon Christ and you share that wonderful message, you proclaim that with someone else, you can rest assured that if God is working in that person's heart and life, that seed is going to spring forth into eternal life. Sooner or later, God in his timing will bring that thing to bear if it has fallen upon good soil. But here's what is not ours to do. We don't have to make up the message. We don't have to worry about making an A on a Bible quiz or a Bible test. All we have to do is to say, God has made a way for us. And the way is Jesus Christ. And he's died for us to wash away our sin. He loves us. And if we will turn from our sin, believing that he has risen from the dead, we can be born again. I want to encourage you and share with you. God's at work in our church family. I want to encourage you. If you're to that place where you're starting to recognize, you know what? I have a lot more identity with people in Scripture and with the body of Christ than I do the world. If, if you're beginning to understand God's growing me and He's teaching me things about His Word, He's starting to set me apart. And I can tell He's at work in me. He's, he's causing me to think differently. He's causing me to believe differently. He's causing me to behave differently. If you see God at work in you like that, would you do this today? Would you just go ahead and commit and say, God, I believe you've given me a message to proclaim. And I want you to give me the boldness and the courage and the strength and the spiritual sensitivity to share that word. And I want to tell you, you never know what God's going to do with that word. Here's the wonderful guarantee about sharing the gospel, proclaiming it, declaring it, talking about Jesus. You never know who God's working with. I go back to the doctor in two weeks, I think. That girl may be saved. Not, not because I shared the gospel with her that day, but maybe because she got to thinking about that. And maybe a friend had been talking to her about the gospel and invited her to church. And maybe she went and heard the gospel and maybe she got saved. Right? You never know how God's going to use your obedience. Preacher, I don't want to be confrontational. Peter says, don't be confrontational, right? He says, do it in gentleness, do it in kindness, right? You don't have to, you don't have to do it in a mean way, in a judgmental way. You just tell people that God loved them so much he sent his son. He died on the cross for their sins. He rose from the dead. And if they believe that with all of their heart, that they can be born again. Bow your heads and shut your eyes. How many of you have someone on your heart, on your mind right now that you would say, I know of someone right now on my mind that needs to be born again. And I want to start praying for them. And I want to ask God to give me courage to share the gospel with them. Anybody have somebody on your heart? Will you raise your hand? Yeah. Let's, let's pray for those folks right now, all right? Let's, let's pray for those folks. And don't forget to pray as we're praying for them. God, give me courage. Give me strength. 
to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your provision, for the power of your word. And Lord, thank you, God, that you loved us enough to save us. And that, God, you have the ability to save us. One, because Jesus is God in the flesh. He's the only one that could appease your wrath and your anger, your hostility toward sinful rebellion. God, I'm thankful that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm thankful, God, that you loved us. I'm thankful that you tell us your word. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm thankful, God, that you give us the capacity who have been born again to know you, to know your word, and to be led by your spirit. And I pray today, God, that for Calvary Baptist Church, that you would make us a church full of people who will proclaim the gospel. Not that they would ever have to get up here and open the Bible and preach a message or teach a life group class. But Lord, in a cafe somewhere, in a restaurant somewhere, on a park bench somewhere, maybe in a classroom somewhere, that they just have that wonderful opportunity to share about your sinless life, your sacrificial death, your victorious resurrection from the grave, and the eternal life that you give us when we believe the work that you've done for us. God, thank you for cleansing us from our sin. There's nothing like being free from our sin. Not because of who we are, the things we've done, but because of your grace. Thank you for washing us and covering us. God, I pray today that you would make us not only soul winners, proclaimers, people who share the gospel, but continue to make us more like Christ. Lord, I have such a far way to go. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to sanctify us. And then, Lord, as we, according to your will, are able to look at how Peter says we have this enduring hope. We have this living hope. God, may we set our affection on the things that are you, that we might worship you, glorify you, honor you. So, Lord, you have your way in this place today. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. I want to invite you to come. If there's a spiritual need in your life, I want to encourage you to come. If you'd like for me to pray with you and partner together with you, praying for that person that's on your heart, you come and share that. If you're here and you need to be born again, the gospel was shared about four times during that message today. And I want to encourage you, if God's speaking to your heart and you're thinking, I believe, I really believe that God can change me, I'm here to tell you that God can change you. And if you'll come here, bow your head and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, he'll save you today. He'll save you today. I want to invite you to come.